1: and sufferings, Romans 5, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character. And I read, and I'll read one more time from Mark Batterson's book, Whisper. You can get through just about anything if there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And for a follower of Jesus Christ, there always is. But here's my caution. Don't be so focused in getting out of difficult circumstances that you don't get anything out of them. Sometimes the circumstances we're trying to change are the very circumstances God is using to change us.
0: Suffering is a necessary part of life in this fallen world. People are often lumped into two groups when it comes to trials, those that fight and those that run away at the first sight of adversity. As Pastor Danny will challenge us in today's message, we can't always run and hide when we confront hardship. It's a part of our race as Christ followers. Those moments of difficulty offer us the opportunity to grow in our faith as we encounter our own weakness and realize that we can't do this alone. Now here's Pastor Danny in Revelation chapter 2 with today's edition of The Living Word. To every nation
1: Revelation chapter 2. John the Apostle has been banished by the Emperor Domitian to the island of Patmos. It was the Alcatraz of the ancient world. Alcatraz in San Francisco Bay was for years America's most secure prison surrounded by a bay, shark-infested bay. We sent our most notorious prisoners there. That's where John has been banished, and as he is on the island of Patmos, he receives what we know as the book of the Revelation. The majority of the book deals with things yet future. But chapters 2 and 3 are seven letters to seven chosen churches, and the messages from Jesus to these churches are messages for the church until Jesus comes. We've landed on the second letter, the letter to the church of Smyrna. And we've done two parts to that message. And uh, the bad thing for you is, I go home and I study more. And I've discovered that from this one church, we could spend weeks on messages from this one church. I've made a choice today, I hope that was confirmed by the Lord to not continue in part four, five, six, etc. That This is part three of the letter to the church of Smyrna, but there are things I'm going to give you that I'm not going to be able to expound on because there's so much here. Verse eight, Revelation two, to the angel of the church in Smyrna, right? These are the words of him who is the first and the last who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. They don't believe in Jesus as Messiah. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you'll suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. The second death we'll read about at the end of the book of Revelation. It's the final judgment. And all whose names are not found written in the Lamb's book of life are cast into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. The only way to escape the second death is to be born again in this life once. The thing missing in the letter to the church of Smyrna is rebuke. There's no rebuke for this church. It's the suffering church. Not just the suffering church, the suffering church that persevered through suffering, even to the point of dying for their faith in Jesus Christ, some of them. To be a Christian in Smyrna had great cost. And the level of their commitment was revealed by their degree And their willingness to the degree of suffering, even to some of them die for their faith. Now, there's so much here. What we've already covered. What we've already covered. Let me just remind us. Uh, And it's called the positive side of suffering. That's the title. This is part three. The positive side of suffering. We're not talking about suffering for stupidity. All of us know how to suffer for stupidity. We're talking about suffering in the will of God. This is suffering In the will of God. And what are the, what are the advantages? What's the positive side of suffering the will of God? Well, one we looked at, it proves you're genuine. First Peter chapter one. Though you've had to suffer in all kinds of trials, these have come so that your faith may be proved genuine. It proves you're the real deal. That you persevere through insult or whatever because of your faith in Jesus Christ. You're the real deal. And you show that by your willingness to suffer. Second, it keeps us from being half-hearted, lukewarm. Most stinging message to uh, any of the seven churches is the church of Laodicea. That's the comfortable church. That's the lukewarm church. Peter writes and he says in 1 Peter 4, he who has suffered in his body, in the will of God, is done with sin. Doesn't mean you're perfect. It just means that you have counted the cost, you put your life on the line, and now you're no longer half-hearted, So it proves your faith, keeps you from being lukewarm. Another advantage or positive side of suffering in the will of God, you grow. You grow. It's necessary. Suffering is necessary for spiritual growth. We rejoice in sufferings, Romans 5, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character. And I read, and I'll read one more time from Mark Batterson's book, Whisper. You can get through just about anything if there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And for a follower of Jesus Christ, there always is. But here's my caution. Don't be so focused in getting out of difficult circumstances that you don't get anything out of them. Sometimes the circumstances we're trying to change are the very circumstances God is using to change us. So that's the three we've covered. And now the rest that I've discovered... There are a total of 11. You ready to skip lunch? No, number four. It comes from one of those verses that if you memorize, you memorize it, and it gives you those warm, fuzzy feelings every time you recite it. It's Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. Here it is. For it's been granted to you, Christian, on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Imagine Christmas and your most beloved person in all the world. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a child. uh, Maybe it's your mom or dad. And you open the box and it's nicely wrapped. And you open the box and it's a box of suffering. Why in the world would you give me this? Because I love you. It's been granted to you on behalf of Christ. Not only to believe in him, but to suffer for him. Acts 5, the apostles are threatened by the Supreme Court. Then they are beaten for their public proclamation that Jesus is the Messiah. And it says they left after being beaten, rejoicing, because they had been counted worthy to suffer for the name. Peter would write, and he would say, if you suffer, shouldn't be as a meddler or as a thief or as any other kind of criminal, but if you suffer as a Christian... Don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. It's a privilege. You're counted worthy from heaven's perspective. Number five, you find this one also in Philippians. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. And here's what Paul, the apostle, writes there. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. That's the miraculous But he doesn't stop there. And the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. People that avoid suffering for Christ's sake and and try to, you know, get by as easy as they can, you know, and they choose what they're going to sacrifice and what they're not going to sacrifice, they never grow really close to Christ. Some of my most memorable times. It always comes to my mind every time, every time I, I, I go through that verse and this point, I think about the years I spent on mission trips in Russia with my wife not there in January, and it is stupid cold. <laughs> the food was terrible. I'm from Florida, and I'm in stupid cold, and I didn't want to be there, humanly speaking. But some of my sweetest times with the Lord, we're thousands of miles away without my wife and without my family. And those were some of the sweetest times. And it makes the reunion when you come back a lot better too. And you love Florida a lot more. <laughs> it's a means of fellowship with Christ. Number six. You find this one in Second Corinthians chapter 1. Two verses, verses 8 and 9. Paul here writes, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, beyond human ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, and in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. They thought they were going to die. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. To go through something that humanly you have exhausted every bit of your strength and you have no more strength left and you think you're going to die and then you come out the other end and you realize, not only am I not dead, but God did something beyond my human ability. It increases our dependence on the Lord. Let's move on to number seven. Also in 2 Corinthians, chapter 12, and verse 7. Again, Paul's writing, to keep me from becoming conceited. Pause there for a minute. Saul of Tarsus, who became the apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus was extremely conceited. He didn't know it, but he was. He was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He had attained religious achievement, uh, far beyond his peers and he was proud of it and when he came to know Jesus Christ the potential of the pride now as a christian because the same zeal he put to being a pharisee he's now putting to being a follower of Jesus nothing held back and because god knew the human heart he knew the potential That the Apostle Paul would have to become conceited as a Christian like he was as a Pharisee. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations. God gave him all kind of revelation and God gave him a tremendous world ministry. There was given me a thorn in my flesh. A messenger of Satan to torment me. I mean, you're talking painful. And isn't it ironic and mysterious that it's a messenger of Satan? There's debate and still will be till Jesus comes on what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. Some people believe it was a memory of the past and him persecuting Christians. That's not my view. Some people believe that. The the word suggests it was something literally in his human body that tormented him. It was some kind of physical infirmity. That's my view. And it was from hell but it was for heaven's purposes. And sometimes when when other people are getting healed, God doesn't choose to heal you as much as you want him to because that thorn, that pain helps to keep you humble. And then number eight is right in the next couple of verses. 2 Corinthians 12, verse eight. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I love what Jim Simula says. I love a lot of things Jim Simula says. Pastor Jim Simula of the Brooklyn Tabernacle said, as soon as you believe you can do it, the Holy Spirit says, okay. Well, when you realize you can't do it, that's when the Holy Spirit can really work. It aids in keeping the power of God upon our lives. That's number eight. It aids in keeping the power of God upon our lives. And then number nine. This one you find in Philippians chapter 1. Philippi and the church at Philippi was probably the Apostle Paul's most beloved congregation. They were the first to support him financially in his worldwide ministry. Paul writes the letter of Philippians while he's a Roman prisoner. And you better know churches that Paul had planted, Christians that love Paul are praying for Paul. And you better know one of the things they're praying for is for him to be delivered from his chains and his Roman bondage, imprisonment. And you know Philippi, the church of Philippi, they were really praying. But he writes to the church of Philippi, chapter 1, verse 14. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Persevering in suffering in the will of God. It sparks courage in other believers. Let me tell you a little Bible story to illustrate the point. Old Testament King Saul, head and shoulders above everybody else, good looking. That's why they said, oh, he's the king. He's the one. He wasn't really God's choice, if you know what I mean. It's the one the people said, he's the one. But he's a miserable failure as a king, as good looking as he was. And he was a coward. They're supposed to be fighting the Philistines, being led by their king, but instead he is he is shaking in his sandals. Nobody's fighting the Philistines. The Israelites are hiding. But his son Jonathan, his son Jonathan was of different character. His son Jonathan, who became kind of like a blood brother with young David, the giant killer. While... Israel's army is hiding from the enemy. Jonathan says to his armor bearer, let's go over to that Philistine outpost. Maybe God will deliver them into our hands. It's nothing for the Lord to save by many or by few. In other words, we don't need a whole army as long as we got faith and courage. His armor bearer says, I'm with you, man. Let's go. They go over and here's the sign that Jonathan is asking the Lord to give them. And he tells his armor bearer, "We'll go to the outpost and we'll 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 let them know we're here. Hey, hey, you Philistines! Hey, look down here. And if they say, if they say, you come up here and we'll teach you a lesson. That'll be God's sign to us that we're to go up and clean their clock. But if they say, you wait until we come down to you. That'll be God's sign that this is not the time to fight. Man, is that crazy? If I was Jonathan, I'd have, I'd have reversed it." Why do you want to climb the cliff up to them? Let them climb down to you. But he reversed it. So they go over. Hey, you Philistines. They look down. And they see these guys. And the Philistines say, you come up here and we'll teach you a lesson. I can see Jonathan. Look at his armor bearer. That's the sign. And they start climbing up the cliff. And they get up to the top. And they kill 20 Philistines. Two guys. 20 Philistines. I was like, yeah, baby. You talk about underdog. And after that one encounter, they begin to rout the armies of the Philistines and the the Israelites who are hiding and cowering. Look out what's happening. And all of a sudden they see the enemy starting to retreat because two courageous guys have stepped out. And now the whole army comes out of hiding and God gives a great victory. Listen. Do people in your classroom know that you're a Christian? Now, don't be arrogant about it. Don't show up there tomorrow after this message and stand up on your desk and say, I just wanted you to know all these years I've been a Christian and I've been afraid to tell you. That's stupid. (laughs) But you can make a commitment. And the next time you have an opportunity, the next time you have an open door, you're not beating it down. You never have to beat down doors for the Lord. But the next time there's an open door for you to confess that you are a Christian. Who knows what other Christians are just like you and they haven't confessed their faith because they're afraid of the cost of that kind of public commitment. In the workplace, do people know that you are a Christian? And does your work testify that you are a Christian? As you have opportunity, if you'll publicly acknowledge that you are a Christian and that's why you're not going to cheat and that's why you're not going to be deceptive and that's why you're going to do things honest and above board and you're unashamed because your motive is because you're a follower of Jesus Christ. So whether in the classroom, the workplace, the marketplace, the neighborhood, man, If we'll come out of the closet in a day when people are coming out of the closet that shouldn't be coming out of the closet, why are we hiding? Why in the world are we letting them go and and come out of the closet? And then we're 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 afraid and we're ashamed. Come on! Before Ryan shows up, I say, Wake up, church! Ah. Wake up. Be courageous. Just so you can set your lunch timer, that was number nine. And of 11, here's number 10. If we're willing to suffer, it'll open doors for the gospel. You won't have to ever beat down a door. The doors will just open. Acts 16 records once again, Paul the apostle getting arrested, thrown in jail. Silas just happens to be, blessed enough to be with him on this occasion, so silence gets beat too. And here they are beaten and thrown into the inner part of the jail, the most secure and the most uncomfortable. And if you know the story, midnight that night, as they're probably not able to sleep because they're in the stocks and they're in all kinds of pain, they began to sing. And they began to sing worship songs to the Lord. And heaven was so pleased that God shook the foundation of the prison. The prison doors flew open. The chains on the prisoners fell off miraculously. The jailer, seeing what's happening, knows that the Roman authorities are going to execute him if any prisoners escape. He's about to kill himself, and Paul says, Whoa, don't do that. We're all here. Boy, you talk about influence for the Lord. Somehow, Paul the apostle kept the other prisoners from escaping. We're all here. And the jailer said, what must I do to be saved? You've come to the right prisoners. We have the answer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And the guy gets saved. He tells his whole family, they all get saved. They have a baptism service in the middle of the night. You talk about an open door. Let me give you another one of my favorites. Acts 9.15 records that when Saul of Tarsus came to know Christ, God sent a man named Ananias to him, a Christian, and he said to him, I'm going to show this man how much he must suffer for my name. But in that, he also said, he will stand before kings and great men of the Gentiles. Not just before the Jewish crowd, but before kings and great men among the Gentiles, which was the majority of the world. Well, how's God going to do that? How's God going to open a door?
0: As you continue to study the book of Revelation, you'll see destruction and death, but also the incredible future that awaits you if you're a follower of Jesus. The pictures painted of the throne room of heaven are inspiring and exciting, and you will one day get to stand where John stood. You'll meet the Lamb of God, who took away your sins. You'll rejoice with the angels and spend eternity getting to know your Creator as He always intended, in perfect love. This is something to cling to as you move through the difficulties of life. Knowing that you have a new home waiting in heaven can also be the catalyst to move you to share the good news of grace with others. They can also have a chance to live eternally with Jesus, and they might just be waiting for someone to introduce them. We hope today's message on the living word has been a blessing to you, and we'd like to tell you how you can access more teachings from Pastor Danny. All you need to do is visit our website ccfstpete.church. Click on sermons to be directed to our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way, you'll never miss a new edition of The Living Word. Are you listening in the St. Petersburg area right now? If so, we have a special invitation for you. Pastor Danny and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship would love to have you join us for our weekend services. Find out more and get directions at ccfstpete.church. Once more, that website is ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in today, and we hope you'll join us again right here on The Living Word.